Welcome to The Tech That Connects Us, a podcast dedicated to the stories of leaders in the technology industries that bring us closer together, specifically content and media, satellite and news space, connectivity and cybersecurity. Your hosts are me, John Clifton, Laurie Scott and Will Trenchard, the founders of Nuco, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm focused on these exact industries. We love being a part of them and we're excited to share these stories with you. Welcome to the Tech That Connects Us. Your hosts today are me, Tegan Lloyd-Williams, one of our content and media consultants here at Nuco, alongside Henry Johnson, associate consultant. And we are delighted to be joined today by Darren Long. Darren started his career in 1982 as a vision engineer for the National Film and Television School, and he moved to Sky in 1989 and has been at the company ever since. He is now Sky's Head of Group Operations, Transformation and Design. So welcome to the show, Darren. Thank you, and thanks for having me. It um, makes me feel very old, actually, um, you saying <laughs> how long I've been here. But uh, yes, thanks for, thanks for having me today. We are delighted to have you on board, so thank you for your time. And to get the story started, we would like to go back to the beginning. So how and crucially why did you get into the broadcast media industry? Well, I was very um, odd um, in some respects because I knew exactly what I wanted to do age nine. Um, I was very clear uh, exactly what I wanted to do. I always wanted to work in television or film. Um, and it was always a dream of mine to to be in there, and I, I know exactly the point at the, where where that became a an absolute sort of um, a mindset of mine. So I was determined to um, to get somewhere in the industry, whether it be in film or TV, uh, and I just stuck at it, uh, and I stuck at it for a very long time. It was always my ambition. It was something my passion as well. Um, and uh, probably unlike a lot of people who probably still can't work out exactly where they need to go, I was one of these people that absolutely 100% um, had a, um, an ambition to be in the industry. I wasn't entirely sure where. I think initially I always thought maybe I'd be a cameraman and you know that's where I wanted to go. Um, but it was something I really wanted to do. And I love the industry, um, whether it be films or, or TV programs. Uh, and it was just something which I wanted to do wanted to focus on. I know that's great to hear Darren and you've had a fantastic and distinguished career. What achievement are you most proud of? I think probably my my proudest time was the uh, 16 years I spent in Sky Sports. Um, uh, I was very very lucky to go into Sky Sports um, really when it was a one analog channel um, and so I was just on the cusp of um, sort of the transition and tra- change of uh, where Sky Sports went so um, I was brought in um, to effectively change uh, and look at both operations and technology within sport and it was the best time ever uh, it was it was an exciting time because we were we were transitioning from sort of the old analog uh, boxes to Sky, um, uh, sort of Sky Plus as, as we know it today, um, and then eventually HD, uh, which then came on later. And I think what, what I was most proud of is the achievements that we did in those 16 years from the point of view of launching obviously new channels and new opportunities within the sports portfolio. But obviously, um, there are a number of really exciting things that happened during that period of time where I was working in there. Everything from the innovation that we brought in 
um, everything from slow motion cameras so and high speed cameras, uh, which was a great time to kind of innovate. Um, you know, we were looking at how we could tell the story of, um, of sport and, and really bring value. And I always remember that the head of sport at the time uh, was very clear with me. He said, I don't want anything which is a gimmick. I want everything to be a reason to tell a story. And the story, the most important thing is, is the event that's happening. And we need to ensure that whatever we do just complements that, that event around it. So there were so many things during my period of time that I was really incredibly proud of. Um, but I think it was just that 16 years of innovating and coming up with um, with really interesting ways to kind of convey that information. And I think, um, you know, when Sky Sports first started, it, you know, the school clock wasn't even a thing that that people knew about. Um, eventually, what what you how you know a score on uh, from a, a football match is eventually wait for the commentators to tell you. Um, uh, so it was those sort of innovations that people forget now because it's common. You know, every everyone wouldn't expect to come in and and uh, and not see a score on the top of the uh, top of the um, uh, corner of the screen. But actually, when Sky Sports first started, that was not heard of. And in fact, the story goes that actually during the period of time where that went in, there, um, um, there was a head of sport called David Hill, whose decision was to put this, this school clock on, on the screen. Um, and uh, they had a huge amount of pushback from the customers um, at the time because they said it was encroaching on their enjoyment of, um, of the sporting event. Um, and uh, Rupert Murdoch at the time told David Hill he needed to take that down because it was causing a massive amount of um, uh, problems for the customers. And David Hill said no. He, he believed in it truly, that it was something they really wanted. And Rupert gave him a month and said, if things don't improve in a month, then then actually it would either be his role that goes or the clock that goes. So, um, But the rest is history. And I think it was those sort of things that, absolutely um i you know enjoyed and loved being part of I, I think that innovation no that's fantastic to hear and given the progression and development in your career into your senior leadership roles what do you think makes a good leader i think a lot of people get this leadership role wrong they think they need to manage people and they need to you know effectively um be somebody who are very much um, uh, sort of um, rather than allowing people to breathe and grow and actually be the leaders themselves, a lot of people just think that actually they need to micromanage and they need to ensure that everyone is taking the box and doing as they're told. Um, and I think through my career, um, if I can answer it this way, I think there were different points in my career where I learned what makes a good leader. I think when I ran sports operations, it was a very high paced uh, environment. In fact, you know, over a weekend, we could be doing 30 events. Um, and those 30 events could have a, a thousand people per, per event um, being involved in them. And it, it, you become very much a transactional leader. So in other words, do this, jump that, go that way. And, 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 and that was needed at the time. I think for me personally, and this is where I learned how to be a good leader was when I transitioned from being uh, running sort of sports operations to more production services. So 
studios or um, post-production in that world. And I think the difference was that I employed really great people who were senior leaders in the business. And I realized I no longer needed to be instructional with those people. I needed to mentor them. I needed to um, effectively support them. I needed to be there when they needed that support. And, and so I think what makes a really great leader is somebody who allows the, their team and their direct reports to grow as individuals and to always be there and to ensure that you know, really their role is to help sort of shape and, and, and point them in the right direction and, and set the agenda for the department. But it's not there to micromanage and to, to control those individuals. Because I learned very quickly that with that sort of senior leadership team, as soon as I started to kind of become more their mentor and, and their sort of the, their, their people, that a person that they could always come to, is that they grew. And, and when they grew, they, they ensured that actually it was, it was a much higher performing team than, than actually tra traditionally it would have been in a Sky Sports operations because, because they were people uh, who are, were leaders in, in their own right. So you had a really high performing leadership team all the way through the ranks um, from sort of L1, my position, through to L2, the next position down. And I think that for me was a real um, transformation because I realized very quickly that actually uh, to get the best out of people is about trusting them and it's about giving them ownership of the problems. And then it's just about being their support and being their mentor. So we've heard about Darren's career and progression and now we've looked back at the past. So that brings us to the present and Tegan, I'll hand over to you. Oh, thanks, Henry. And uh, Darren, I, I could hear you talk about leadership for ages, but in the present, you know, we have the industry has been rapidly evolving in the last few years. And I think we're in no doubt COVID has accelerated um, development and, and, and that evolution. But what are your feelings on the current state of the broadcast industry? I think we're we're at another exciting point in the industry, um, and I, I I think you know over the years, and I've been in the industry quite a while now. Um, you know, there, there's always moments in time where you see the industry suddenly changing, and I think if I'm honest with you, the period of time between sort of the last major change and this change uh, where we're in now um, has been a really a really long period and probably quite a frustrating period for me as well because. You know, what I've seen over the last few years is, is obviously tech companies who don't have the baggage of, of, of sort of that longevity in the broadcast industry sort of overtaking um, some of the broadcasters because they are much more agile, much quicker. They don't have the same level of issues around taking risk. And, and also they're not worried about changing the way we've always done it. So effectively reinventing the Coca-Cola can. And I think what's, what's um, you know, I was super frustrated about over the last, let's call it sort of 10 years between that sort of last really major change when I think we went from sort of old CRT technology into flat screens and everyone started changing the way that we broadcast to HD and so on and so forth. I think what, what um, we are seeing now is 
an opportunity which far outstretches our ability to to kind of um, uh, pause. We can go faster. We've got the ability now to scale at volumes where we we couldn't before. We have multicast out to our customers. I think what COVID um, unfortunately, um, you know, being bad was good about um, was that it really accelerated the uh, the customers' need to get more entertainment. And I think, you know, um, yes, things will change. People have gone back to work, but people love entertainment. You know, we, we still love uh, watching, whether it be in a group or whether it's on our own. And I think what, what now people expect is that constant change of innovation. Um, effectively, they do not want to be restricted anymore around sort of how they watch that content. You know, we all laughed about iPhones and people watching television on iPhones, and we thought, no, it never happened. And of course, it has happened. But the exciting opportunity now is it's only limited by our imagination of what we can do. Whereas before, it was very limited on our sort of technical capabilities. And I think that there's a number of things that have really played in in the last couple of years, which is, and, and it's, you know, that perfect storm that in some respects have come together, which is obviously the ability to push content now into cloud, which again, two years ago, everyone was very reticent to do because obviously everyone thought, you know, we'll lose that content and, and equally we'll lose our opportunities to broadcast to our customers. Now that's not true. We know that's not true because it's happened. Also, new players come into the marketplace, effectively showing the other people that, you know, streaming platforms are here to stay. And obviously people's uh, want to, to um, sort of uh, get hold of content isn't, isn't sort of um, blocked by boundaries. Um, they, they can, you know, if you look at somebody like myself, I, I'll have every streaming platform going. And I think there are a large population out there the same. So, so I think where we are in broadcast is a super exciting time. It's a, it, and I worry only by the fact that people's nervousness of, uh, of not that they should do it, but when they should do it. And I think the concern of mine from an industry point of view is we've got a lot of growing up to do. It does mean that a lot of, a lot of people are going to have to take chances and there is going to be an awful lot of um, upgrading of infrastructure and, and, uh, and technology and training for sort of new ways of working. But, but if people embrace that, the opportunities are out there. They just need to make a really good bet and, and they must not wait. Um, and I think that's what I think is exciting about the next few years. We've got some great opportunities ahead and it's only limited, like I said, um, by people's imagination to push harder, faster and, uh, and obviously, you know, change and evolve the way that we watch content across, well, not just in our own boundaries, but beyond our boundaries in, in across the world. Yeah, and talking about pushing harder and faster and, and, and pushing boundaries, one of the things that I know Sky are very committed to um, is being carbon neutral and, and becoming carbon neutral. How can the industry work to become more environmentally friendly? Well, I think, you know, we've done a number of things, even last weekend where, you know, at Tottenham, we, we did our first sort of carbon neutral um, uh, football match. And that was in conjunction with, obviously, um, you know, uh, Tottenham uh, and, uh, and all of the surrounding support staff and, um, and infrastructure that we put in. I, th I think it's about, you know, if we look at um, uh, the sort of... Um, opportunity we've got to, to play an important role here. We're a broadcaster. 
and all broadcasters need to ensure that we lead by example. And I think Sky has always wanted to do that. We're very lucky because we own the whole supply chain. We own everything from the customer, obviously buying the equipment, to all the way through to making the programs and distributing the programs to the customer. So that gives us a unique opportunity to, to have that whole customer journey uh, and also uh, ensure that from a carbon neutral point of view, we, we tick every single box along that journey. So Sky took a, a really strong um, uh, lead on this. Uh, and Jeremy Derrick was absolutely instrumental in this to ensure that actually everything we do going forward is about how do we reduce our carbon footprint. And, and that is from the packaging we use to the way we recycle our hardware and equipment. So effectively, you know, traditionally people would hold on to their equipment and, um, you know, never give it back. And of course that went into the landfills and various other things. Now, technically you'd never own that equipment. Effectively it's owned by Sky, but equally, that means that when when your contract finishes and you no longer want it then we take that back and we recycle it and we ensure you know everything we do going forward will be about actually how can we minimize and i think you know all the sports we're at you know the way that we we um ensure that the people who work on those sports are are working in a way that actually is very economical and and obviously reducing the carbon footprint of what how they get there and the transport all the way through to the distribution platform minimizing the amount of power that we use and, and I think the key one is around obviously sending the message. And this is the strong one around, you know, why it's important. So obviously every single you know, day we have a climate report, which is on Sky News, and it's about educating people as well. And, and, and not, uh, not preaching, but just trying to keep people an understanding of why we're doing this. And I think, you know, we believe in this wholeheartedly. And from an industry point of view, I think, if you look at all of these sort of productions now that are either being made for Sky or other companies as well, they're, they're trying to measure every single part of their impact on those productions. Where traditionally, yes, you would have built sets, destroyed them, you know, um, had plastic cups, all of those things. Yet it may be a very small thing we're doing, but you know what? From small things grow yeah. large trees. So, yeah. So, that's what's really important going forward. And, uh, and, uh, and believe me, 100%, this company is not just doing it to tick a box. We're really doing it because we believe 100%. Every, everything we do going forward around the way that we deliver our, our services and the way we recycle our services is going to be measured. And, and I think that's an important thing because I think people should hold us accountable for our own actions and they should know where those things are going. Um, and I think it's important that when, when products do arrive, they know that actually that packaging isn't just thrown into the, into the sort of waste bin, it's brought back to Sky, it's recycled and used again. Uh, and I think that's important for people to understand that. And from, a, from an industry point of view, it's, it's trying to lead the charge there are a lot of good broadcasters and filmmakers um, and, and TV production crews who are doing this now. So I think we really have a responsibility to keep doing this and keep improving and keep supporting companies and, and industries that, that actually bring innovation in this area as well. Right. And if everybody does their bit and does it wholeheartedly to the best of their ability, 
Fantastic. That that's all we're asking. I guess a big part of that as well is is culture change. How how do you as a leader with the large teams that you are responsible for, how do you go about building or changing a culture within those teams? I think the most important thing when you're changing a culture, it shouldn't be something you just how can I say layer on. You know, if it becomes an appendage that that is kind of like a, a target, it becomes something which then people don't value as much. And I think uh, certainly um, if you look at um, the sports team, it's become part of their DNA. It's not a tick box. It's now it's something which is part of the operation it's from from all the procurement work they do with with third-party companies the first thing they're asked is around their sort of um their environmental impact and how they're going to minimize that so we set targets on that so that when they come in they know that actually working for sky means that they have to, they have to ensure that their their you know uh, carbon footprint is minimized so so i think from a leadership point of view, we ensure that people understand this is this is part of their job. It's like it's like health and safety. It's part of their job. You know, everyone is responsible for, for their safety, and everyone's responsible for the environmental impact that they make. And I think that's how you, as a leader, make it an easier understanding for your staff. And and I think everything we do within Sky, the first thing you, you do when you walk through um, Sky Central um, is you come across exactly the areas around sort of our, our sort of um, a pledge to uh, be carbon neutral. Um, it, it's part of our DNA and it's in every conversation that we have, both internally and externally with our clients as well. Thank you. And that leads us very nicely into the future, Henry. I think it would be fair to say, Darren, that following the recent years, predicting the future can be a bit of a challenge. But we've <laughs> seen a huge rise in subscription on demand services recently. What opportunities and challenges does this present? Well, I think the most important thing is I, I never like to focus on challenges because I think there's, a, an, there's an opportunity in everything we do. And I know that sounds very trite sometimes, but, but there is. And, and I think, you know, um, what we've seen over the last few years, uh, well, last couple of years, is, is something which, you know, um, doesn't happen all the time. Um, I think there was a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, opportunity that came upon us by accident. Um, and I think we've learned that now. So what we've got now going forward as an opportunity is we need to build on that. Um, we shouldn't be in any way looking back. You know, the past is the past, and the way we did it is certainly not the, the signpost for the way we should do it in the future. I think the most important thing that, that we're trying to um, focus on now is everything in front of us. Um, everything uh, we've done in the past has got us here, but that won't get us there. And so I think it's important to understand that really now it's about um, you know, uh, moving forward and leaving a few things behind. And so that's what we're focused on at Sky, which is how can we now go to the next stage and how can we ensure that actually we're ready for whatever happens the next stage. So that's building the right infrastructure in, that's about making sure that we got the best customer service um, and it's making sure that our, that, that our opportunities become greater by looking at uh, uh, sort of all the things that we do. You know, as we know, we do telephony, broadband, obviously products um, and, and obviously content. And, and it's just 
building on that um, because, you know, if you don't keep moving forward, there will definitely be somebody who will move much quicker than you. So I think, you know, we, we very much are uh, looking ahead and we're constantly trying to look at how we innovate as an organisation. And, and for us, that makes it a very exciting opportunity. And I think that forward-thinking mindset with technology is so current to progressing as well. So what part do you think technology will play in shaping new content creation? What do you think it will look like and how do you think it might evolve for the customers? Yes, it's, it's really interesting. So from a content creation point of view, I think what we're finding is, you know, the, the, again, the, the great news is because we're, we're finding new ways of um, effectively um, getting that content to our to our creators quicker it means we can we can ensure that we we get the best talent because it's not now locked into the, the world of where we were and and so there's a great opportunity there i think the innovation around technology um around sort of post-production and uh, and content creation has become again a much easier um, a place to be than we were before so i think Innovation is something where we are constantly embracing it. You know, traditionally making a drama or, or um, it would take about 18 months. And I think what we're looking at now is, is how do we improve that? How do we build that? And that's why, you know, Sky Studios was created um, because we know that our pipeline of content is going to become much greater. We're building, obviously, some new um, studios over at L Street, and obviously we'll be building an infrastructure to support that to ensure that from a technology point of view, we're able to create faster, we're able to share faster, we're able to do all the things that we would traditionally do. But there is also an important thing here as well, which is, you know, traditionally we, we've always worked uh, in a certain way, um, and we need to ensure that that sort of gold standard is, is, is measured. So in other words, you know what really needs gold what needs bronze and what needs you know what needs silver and 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 we've got to try and ensure that we appropriately um uh, make the the right um sort of um decisions based on the sort of content that we're pushing out to our customer and make sure that actually you know what's important is timely what's important is great quality but equally it doesn't mean to say that that should you know that should sort of um, allow us to kind of always be trying to make the next Game of Thrones. It's about making it diverse for all of our customers as well, and and, uh, and tailoring the production to suit the the um, the, the right sort of um, uh, environment that those those productions are in. So I think technology plays a massive part in that, and I think you know we'll we'll see, um, and as we've seen, is that content is made everywhere now you know from tiktok to youtube to you name it it's out there and i think we shouldn't be too worried about um you know where content comes from it's just about how do we distribute how do we acquire how do we distribute and how do we ensure that the customer can search and find that quickly and i think the innovation from a customer point of view will be that you know but they don't want to spend hours trying to hunt and use those words that we've all used which is can never find anything on on the 400 channels that they've got what they want to do is they want to be served they want to ensure that they're entertained and innovation and technology both from glass all the way through to glass um will allow them to do that and that's where we will find that 
that sort of greater interaction with our customers. I think we'll get much closer to that as well. So really understanding what the customer wants and then ensuring that the customer can find that quickly and ensuring that, that they get the appropriate content quickly. I think as well, it, the beauty of it is we don't know what the future holds. So that was really, thank you so much for your insight on all things past, present and future. So our next section is something I think we can all agree is something that we need to address as much as possible. And that is diversity. Darren, I'm, uh, I am looking forward to picking your brains on, on this one. I, I can <laughs> tell you that and for obvious reasons. Um, but I guess briefly, how have you seen diversity change through your time in the industry? So it's a really important um, uh, subject, and, and and I think um, how it's changed is we we've kind of um, taken away some of the um, um, you know unconscious biases that, that people yes. have, and and I think that, you know we're much more honest with each other now, and I think that that honesty is really starting to change the way we have conversations you know i remember sort of um leading um sky production services and starting up a sort of diversity group within there and at the time and i'm going to be really honest is is i found it really difficult and i found it difficult because i didn't know how to start a conversation um and and um i I struggled with that for a period of time and until a point where one of our sort of listening groups that we had you know I, i was just honest with people and said look I don't know how to have this conversation because I'm always worried about what I say, um, offending somebody in this group. And, and you know, the group um, all said, "Don't be don't be worried. We're we're more concerned that you don't speak honestly, and and you you can't uh, talk openly um, because that's what's blocking us from having these great conversations around diversity." And I think the core thing for me, which is which I've learned over the the, the sort of those conversations is there are a number of things we need to ensure we do going forward in this mm-hmm. industry. Traditionally, you know, um, uh, this industry has has not been um, great at encouraging um, uh, people from sort of BAME backgrounds and um, LGBT um, to uh, sort of come into the industry because it was very much seen as a sort of middle class uh, sort of white people who who kind of ran the industry. And, and that has to change. And, yeah. But that's, that's a time thing as well, because we really need to ensure that, um, uh, that we've got a pipeline of new candidates coming through who are encouraged to apply for roles. And, and we noticed that we weren't getting the same sort of level of candidates come through from BAME backgrounds and, and, and from various different backgrounds on that diversity trail. Um, and so... Sky now, if you look at any any job advert, it really is front and center of everything we do. And internally, we really, uh, all managers have to go through that process of ensuring that when they interview candidates, they're interviewing across the spectrum. They must not just focus on that. And if they haven't got a good, diverse uh, candidate, then they go again. And, and that's something which is from top to bottom. And I think 
equally, Sky has grown grown up as well because we weren't having those conversations internally. I think you know um, we were concerned about senior uh, leadership not being from sort of um, a really good diverse um, um, uh, a group as well. So that has changed internally at Sky, and I think Stephen Van Royen has really pledged. Um, uh, to uh, uh, to kind of focus on this in the UK and uh, and across obviously now Germany and Italy to ensure that every single thing we do is about being as open to to um, diverse candidates and that you know like I say from a disability point of view I ran an access services area where disability is front and centre of everything we do it's 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 about how do we ensure that we're the best accessible company going? And literally, even today, we had a, you know a really good sort of hour and a half on how we ensure that we just don't tick a box, we don't stick to this, the government guidelines. We become really diverse around um, ensuring that we we are a mirror of our customers. You yeah. know, and I think that's important. Um, so we've got, we're on a journey, like all companies at the moment, but it's a determination to be both accessible from a customer point of view, but also accessible from, um, from a diverse candidate point of view internally. And I think, you know, what's, what's really important going forward, and I've always said about this, is when we stop speaking about diversity, that's when we know we've, we've done it. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, that's, um, you know, um, numbers are great and targets are good because it kind of focuses everyone's mind. But it does frustrate me sometimes that we have to do these things around targets. It, it, what I'd love to see, and it's a real passion for me, is that, you know, diversity is just something that's the right thing to do and, and internally. And that's what we need to aspire to. And and it shouldn't be, again, like we were talking about, you know, um, how do we sort of reduce our carbon footprint? It's just it's just, just what we do. It's just how we do it. And, you know, I think, you know, when I look, start looking around Sky, in the last two years, I've seen some massive shifts around diversity and inclusion. Um, and, um, and I think that's exciting because traditionally, if I'd looked at this industry, if I came into this industry about three or four years ago, at sort of um, uh, my level, you know, it's like, would I have got in? You know, would I, would I have been seen because maybe I didn't have the, the right university background or I didn't have the right sort of um, uh, qualifications? And, and I think it's important to understand now um, that diversity is, is everything we speak about. It, it's everything from you know, um, uh, ensuring that we're getting the right candidates from the right background. So we, we're having a conversation internally, which which is with a good um, uh, um, cross-section of, of our customers uh, and ensuring that we're always clear that, you know, when we're in our group sessions, we, we can honestly say that we've got diverse people that really have different views and I think this is why this is so important in industry. And I think uh, when you look at the way that our industry is changing, not just the media industry, but, but, the, but the world is changing, we have to be much, much better at diversity. We must be, uh, we must knock down those barriers. We, we yeah. need to stop, we need to stop pinning things on you have to have this many uh, uh qualifications to get in you need to be this color to get in you need to be this this uh, this sort of type of person and we've got to we've got to start saying 
well, the meritocracy of those people is what brings them through the door. Is because they they deserve it. They have uh, they, everything is built up on meritocracy. In other words, bringing people in because they have the right background. It shouldn't be a blocker. It should be an enabler. And that, for me, is is super important. And let's just hope that over the next few years, we can reduce the amount of conversation because it is just now part of what we do. Oh, Darren, Darren, you are talking my language. And um, yeah. as somebody who is a deaf woman in a predominantly white, able-bodied industry, um, thank you so much for having the conversations. And let's keep talking about it until we do not have to anymore. Um, uh, and, and let's, you know, get a coffee or a drink at some time, because I feel like there's much more that, that, that we could discuss. Well, well, there is, there is. And, and, and I think it's important for, for things like we're doing here yeah. is to open that conversation and stop hiding behind our own unconscious bias which which i absolutely believe is the thing that really stops um and and if people have opinions fine air those opinions but let's try and have conversations uh and and try and move this this both industry and and world forward to really accepting people because diversity is what brings excitement diversity is what brings opportunity and diversity is the thing that has got us here yeah it's so true it is so true and it's it's a learning curve for all of us it's a learning curve for all of us but it's um without it the world would be a a very boring place to to live in and we are all diverse we are all diverse Absolutely. And and like I say, you want to go into a room with the same people as you. Oh, you want to go into a room true. with different people. And that's what we've got to try and ensure that in the in, in our you know in our work life as well mm. is exactly the same. We want to go into a room with different people because you know with differences, it's when you really are your best, is yeah. when you really do change things. Because I tell you now, my opinions can most of the time be wrong unless I'm being challenged by people who are diverse and really um, uh, want to, to make a difference. And I think, please, if anything changes in this, in this world, I hope from a diversity point of view, um, I hope we really do move forward. Yeah, well, with let's 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 keep moving <laughs> forwards together. And um, Henry, I'm, I'm going to pass over to you now for, for the next section. Yeah, so a bit of a change of pace here. So we've learned a bit about you already, Darren, but I'm sure our listeners would love to know a bit more. We're a curious bunch. So what does the perfect weekend look like in the life of Darren Long from the Friday to the Sunday? Well, I think the perfect weekend, and, and I'm very lucky, um, and I always say I'm very lucky. Um, you know, I have um, a, a lovely family, um, but I have a dog, um, and uh, my perfect weekend is is the, you know a starting off with a, a really nice walk with a dog, because I think look when we're we're, we're in a fast paced world, um, sometimes it's nice not to think and to focus on you know, let's say a dog or, or you know, or a cat or a pet or, um, and ensure that actually, you know, we, we focus our time and energy in areas where we can sort of unbundle ourselves from, from the day-to-day hassle. So I think my perfect weekend would be going down to the coast. I'm very lucky. I, I'm, uh, I've got a place down by the coast and I go down there and, uh, and, the, and my perfect weekend would be take the dog 
on the beach and go for a long, long walk and then uh, literally um, stop off somewhere nice, have a meal uh, and then walk the dog back again. And for me, if that's all I need in life to make my life complete. Um, but as part of that, I'm a keen photographer. I'll take my camera with me um, and, and sort of um, enjoy the, the, you know, the environment around me. Um, and, and equally, you know, um, in the evening, you know, there's nothing better for me than I work in the industry. I love the industry. I want to watch the industry. So, of course, it's, it's, it's also um, doing that as well. So, really, um, my perfect Friday to Sunday is kind of those opportunities where I can truly unwind, um, you know, walk the dog, have a meal, watch a movie, go and ride a bike, um, and just enjoy um, the environment around me. And, and that would probably, for some people, maybe not be the most exciting, but for me, is, is what I enjoy the most. Sounds dreamy to me. I have to ask, what sort of dog do you have? I have um, uh, a bit of a teddy bear. She's a cockapoo. Oh. So, um, uh, uh, yeah, so, um, um, but uh, uh, I've had Labradors and yeah Yeah, yeah. that's what I've I've always had and um life's not complete unless there's a dog in it for me so um oh yeah Yeah. completely understand finally then Darren is our is our quick fire round so uh you're gonna have to think on our feet and and I'm gonna dive straight into it self-catering or all-inclusive all-inclusive and builder's tea or flat white flat white oh interesting i thought you were going to say builder's tea then um glass of fizz or a pint of ale a glass of fizz actually and what was the last movie you watched uh the last movie i watched believe it or not was a, a rerun of um uh, live and let die from james bond actually that that was just over the weekend <laughs> um, but um uh yeah i just love watching old movies um i'll be perfectly honest with you but um it's a good um, one yeah yeah Absolutely. I'm looking forward one. to the next, the next James Bond. Obviously, uh, that's the next oh, yeah. one that I'm excited to. I think that was the reason I watched that was because I'm, I'm, I'm. We've been waiting for such a long time for this oh. movie to come out that, that it's time now to, to, uh, to get it out and 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 to enjoy it. Oh, absolutely! A city or country? A country. Morning or evening? I'm a bit of a morning person, actually. And would you rather? Ride a bike, uh, ride a horse, or drive a car? It's a hard one because I do all three. Um, oh. um, but but um, uh, yeah, I think, look, I love riding my bike. Um, uh, I obviously uh, used to ride a lot um, uh, from a horse's point of view, and I love driving a car. So it's a really hard one to, to say. I, I'll be honest with you. I'll tell you, I tell you honestly, I probably love driving my car because um uh i love listening to audiobooks and um and that probably is the area where i'm excited to get home tonight because i'm in the middle of a book at the moment um and and i just want to carry it on so i think um it's those type of things where um um it gives you an opportunity to unwind at the end of the mm. evening or beginning in the morning even so so i'm a massive podcast listener i'm a massive sort of audio book listener and the car probably is the enabler fair enough and to finish then your day Crazy or sane? Oh, 
Manic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally and utterly crazy. But you know, that's the reason I joined this industry. Yeah. If somebody said, said to me, you know, age nine years old, your your days will never ever in front of you be the same. Um, number one, probably wouldn't have believed that because you know, age nine, you probably don't know. But but you know, I think that's what kept me in this industry um you know all i think my friends think i'm slightly mad um which i am um and i think um, the exciting thing for me is that this industry has so much as we spoke about you know going for it and and and, and changing and evolving so how can you not have a mad strange world that you live in and changes every single day that you're in it um and not be slightly addicted to it. And that's yeah. probably me. Um, and that's where I am. Beautiful. Henry, I'm going to pass back to you for what I promise is one final question. <laughs> so, Darren, our guest's final question is always the same. So what one piece of advice would you give to someone up and coming and entering the industry? Never give up. Um, uh, I think this is a really important one. And again, we talked about diversity before. It's very easy in life to to uh, effectively say that's too hard, um, and, and I've learned uh, certainly in the world that I'm in is that you don't get anywhere unless unless you really are determined. And if you're determined, I always say this to any new people coming through the door: if you're determined to either make a difference or you're determined to come into the industry. You know, you may have to send a thousand CVs. Say you send a thousand CVs, who cares? But ultimately, you know, you'll get there. And and I think, you know, uh, a lot of people just will make an excuse. It's too hard. It's too difficult. I haven't got the right qualifications. You know, rather than focusing on how can I get in, you know, and what do I need to do? They focus on, on those negative sides of it. So I think, look, long story short, I think it's important that if you've got a dream, you stick to it. If I had let my negativity block my opportunity, I'd never have gotten this industry. You know, I might not have had the right qualifications. I might not have had the right opportunities. But I made my opportunities and, and I knew what I wanted to do. And I was determined to do it. And even if that had taken me many, many, many years to get there, I, I, would, I know I would have done it because, because I was determined and focused to do it. And anyone that says they can't is is somebody that really hasn't learned that actually anyone can. It's just the determination that gets you there. And and look, sometimes a bit of luck as well. Darren, thank you so much for 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 being a guest on our show. And it has been a, a real pleasure, and I really mean that to to have you on board. Thank you for sharing all of your insights and, and wisdom and we should let you get back to that uh, audio book and, and that cockapoo but thank you so much for coming and uh, it, it really has been a pleasure. And thank you both for having me and I'll, I'll get back to my mad world as well but uh, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed the show please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people. For more information about NUCO, we can be found at www.neuco-group.com. You've been listening to The Tech That Connects Us.